All right. Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts chapter 2. Well, you know, last Sunday we studied about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit prophesied about Joel, by Joel, 450 B.C., before Christ. Joel prophesied. And Peter proclaimed it in roughly 30 A.D., 30 A.D., hundreds of years later. We also looked at that wonderful gift of salvation and how it was and is available to every single person on the face of this earth. And even today, if you're new or visiting, or you just thought, well, you know, I think I'm going to stop by this place, see what's going on. If you don't have a personal relationship with God via Jesus, I want to let you know God loves you and he desires for you to have a relationship with him. Not about religion, but a personal relationship with God via the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You see, the Holy Spirit does not adhere to any ethnic boundaries or social barriers, which is very complicated in our world today, but he does not. The Holy Spirit. Instead, he is calling all of mankind everywhere to repent and to be saved. And so this morning, we're going to continue in our study of that very first church service Acts chapter 2, we'll pick it up in verse 22 through verse 39. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence." Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to his, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, Foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. 
Father, we thank you for your word and we just continue in our worship of you by taking captive the various thoughts that might be plaguing us this morning. The anxieties, the frustrations, the maybe the guilt, the condemnation. Whatever those thoughts are, Lord, we take them captive so we can bring them to your throne and hear from your word this morning for these few minutes in eternity. Father, help our souls to be open to what you would share with us that we might go out into our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our family members, that we might go out to proclaim the free gift of salvation as ambassadors for Christ. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're newer visiting, we go through various books this morning. We find ourselves in the book of Acts. We're going verse by verse. And so you can get the CDs if you'd like. They're free. They're on the, the wall over here in those cases. Uh, pass them out. Bring them back, whatever the case may be. Verse 22. Men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. You see, Peter continues his presentation of the gospel. And again, I know some of you might be coming in midstream. By pointing back to Jesus... And the facts that the people knew and understood. This is very important. As we go out and share the gospel, you want to try to keep it simple. You want to try to keep it very plain. You want to try to keep it practical. Peter makes mention that God used Jesus to perform various miracles, wonders, and signs, thus endorsing his ministry. And when you have God endorsing your ministry, there's no greater endorsement. Forget Nike. Forget any of those. God is endorsing the ministry of his one and only son, Jesus. But let's look at Matthew 11 and see something interesting. Because we here see that Peter makes mention of miracles, wonders, signs. And many people, even to this day, and maybe you have even said this yourself, well, if I just saw a miracle, maybe you're here today as an unbeliever, and you came because maybe your child was in VBS, or or your mate said, you know, would you please come, or whatever the case may be, and, and maybe you've said in your mind, or maybe some of us in this room have said, you know, if I just saw a miracle, I would believe. You know, if God just gave me a sign from heaven, then I'd know he's real, and I would believe. Well, let's look at the scriptures. Matthew 11, verse 6, verse 2 there. And when John, this is John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus, had heard in prison about the works of Christ. Now again, the New Testament was written in the Greek, so Christ is Greek for the anointed one. Messiah, Old Testament, Hebrew, the anointed one. So Christ is not his last name, that's the title, his title. He sent two of his disciples and said to Jesus, Are you the coming one? Now this is John the Baptist. This is the cousin of Jesus. John baptized Jesus. John saw the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove come and land upon Jesus. And John was specifically told by God, When you see the Holy Spirit land upon that man, he's the Messiah. 
John was told that. And Jesus even said there was no greater prophet than John. But did John believe that Jesus was the Messiah? At this point, no. He's in prison. Hey, this is cousin John here. I might get my head lopped off. What are you doing? You're out ministering, but I'm locked up. Hey, I baptized you. What is going on? Are you the Messiah or are you not? This is what, this is what John asked his disciples. Go and ask Jesus. Are you the one? Notice. Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? These aren't the disciples. This is John through John's disciples. John is doubting. John is wondering. So what does Jesus go on to say? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. Guys, this is verifiable miracles. This is impossible. A blind person from birth receiving their sight, that's impossible unless God performs a miracle. The lame walking, the lepers are cleansed. To this day, that is still impossible. Not by God. So Jesus is saying to the disciples, go tell John. Just just let him know what's happening here. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor, which would be all of us in this room, even though we think we may be rich, and we thought we were rich before we came to know Christ, once we came to know Christ and received him as our Savior, we realized just how poor. A lot of times we think of rich and poor as money. It's the heart. It's the heart. Man, my heart is wicked. Your heart is wicked. The Bible says that. And on a bad day, if you don't think so, just look back on a bad day and go, Ooh, now, yeah. Now I understand what he was saying. I thought I was so good. But in my mind, I was hoping that person would die. Not that any of you would ever think that. But I bet every single one of you had at one time in your life. That's our wicked nature. That's just our wicked nature. The dead are raised up and the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Isn't that interesting? Jesus talking to his cousin John. John, believe. Believe. I'm the one. Now as we look in Acts again, Peter is talking to the Jews who were still looking for the Messiah. Jesus wasn't the Messiah. Jesus was crucified. Miraculous signs would be evidence of the Messiah, but will also deceive many Jews and Gentiles during the tribulation period. Got a couple slides here for time's sake. Revelation 13, it says this, the Antichrist, he performed great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven like lightning on earth in the sight of men. And he deceives. If you're looking for a miracle, if you're looking for a sign, be very, very careful. This is in the Bible during the tribulation period. Many, many, many people are going to be deceived because they were looking for a miracle, a sign. Oh, if I just see a sign, if I just see a miracle, 
Oh, the economy is great. Trump must be our hero. He must be our savior. Look at the signs. Guys, this is reality. People are very excited about our economy right now. It's a sign of the times. Things are going great. They've never been better. We're doing fantastic. Are we as a society? Are we really? As drag queens are reading books in public libraries and people are actually bringing their four, five, and six-year-old children to listen to a drag queen read a story at story time in a public library. Are we doing better as a society? I spoke to somebody this past week who went to the local library and they said it was packed. It was packed adults bringing their children to listen to a drag queen read a story in America. Yeah, we're doing great. We're just doing great, aren't we? Guys, we're in desperate days. Notice this. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. If you're here today looking for a sign, look to Jesus. Otherwise, you're going to be deceived. Get into his word. So Peter reminds the people that they did see or at least heard of these miracles that had taken place. Matter of fact, Jesus was so popular that people traveled for miles, for miles, carrying the lame, the blind, the demon-possessed. Read the Gospels. They would come by the hundreds, if not the thousands, so that Jesus might touch them and that they might be healed. This wasn't done in the corner somewhere in Queen Creek. This was done in Israel, the Galilee area, Capernaum, out in the open, hundreds and thousands of people being miraculously healed. Only God can do that. There was no doubt in the minds of these Jews about what Peter is talking about here. Because there had never been, nor will there ever be, a ministry like Jesus. Not like on the Christian fiction channel. I'm talking about people literally getting healed instantaneously. Only God can do that. So that's what Peter is reminding them of. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth in verse 22 of chapter 2. A man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst... As you yourselves also know, him, that would be Jesus, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, uh uh-oh, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. You see, God's ways are not our ways. This is why it was so confusing for John and the apostles, the disciples, and for so many Jews at that moment in time, They were under the impression that the Messiah was going to be the conquering Christ, not a suffering servant. So when Jesus was a servant and he was crucified, they were disillusioned, they were disappointed. Jesus is not the Messiah. Now we got to get our hopes out and put our hopes into somebody else. It wasn't him. And Peter's saying, no, it was. Because as you read the Old Testament, it was prophesied of the suffering servant. The second time, he's coming back as a conquering Christ. The first time, a suffering servant to give you and I an example. 
You see, the Trinity had a plan from eternity past, and it was just wonderful for me, for you as believers, to be a part of that plan. And we can see in this verse God's predetermined plan and man's free choice. Can we reconcile the two? God's sovereignty and man's free will. You see, it's been, it's pretty hard to do on this side of heaven. We can see both throughout scriptures and Calvary as a church, we believe in both. We believe in both. Personally, I came to that place decades ago where I can rest in the finished work of God knowing that I'm not called to understand everything the scriptures teach. I'm not called to understand. I'm just called to believe everything the scriptures teach. Because I will not understand. And don't try to convince me that you, because you don't. If you do, then you're God. And I and you are far short from being God. Way, way short. So I can't reconcile them. But it's so freeing to just believe and not to have God all figured out. And if you think that as an unbeliever that you are going to wait until you figure God's ways out and you're not going to rest until you do, you're in for a long and exhausting ride. You are going to be exhausted. Isaiah 55 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, say the Lord. And I say, thank you, Jesus. Because a lot of people would have been toasted a long time ago. As for the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, I have no problem believing that God is a just God and will prove himself fair and equitable with all of mankind because that's one of the biggest arguments that unbelievers have. Well, if your God is so loving, blah, 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 well, you haven't, first of all, read the whole Bible so you don't even know what you're saying. Because my God is very loving, who would send a stubborn Jew named Jonah to go to Nineveh to save the Ninevites. And it was the greatest revival in the Old Testament. And Jonah didn't even want to go. But God said, you're going. Because I love those people and I want to see them saved. And the whole city got saved. So if you're going to make an argument, you better make, make sure you know the word of God. Because God is a loving, gracious, merciful God. He's also a just God. As you see in Revelation 16, 7, And I heard another voice out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. You see, I think the scriptures show us that we will finally understand these principles when we finally step into heaven. Until then, learn to rest in the sovereignty of God and his allowing the free will of mankind. They're both in the word. They're both a tremendous blessing. Well, we're going to look at verses 24 through 35. And Peter now goes on to point his audience back to the resurrection of Jesus. Surely most of these Jews, now again, we're reading it in 2019. We want to go back to 30 AD, 32 AD, roughly that time frame. This is the first time they're hearing about the resurrection from a pastor, from a teacher. They've heard about the resurrection, as you'll see. But now Peter is proclaiming the actual resurrection. And most of these Jews were most likely at the Feast of Passover 50 days earlier. 
and either saw or heard of the injustice done to Jesus. Some of them might have been in the crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him. We don't know. They might have been. Most of them had probably heard the story that had been started by the religious elite that the Lord's disciples came and stole away the body. But Peter here makes it clear that they didn't steal the body of Jesus, but that he rose up from the dead using David as an illustration. David was the second physical king of Israel. If you're new to the Bible, read from Genesis to Revelation. David was the second physical king of of Israel, Saul being the first, but he was also known as a prophet. Verses 24 through 28. Whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, concerning the Messiah, not concerning Jesus because Jesus hadn't been born. David lived a thousand BC. So David is now prophesying. He's prophesying. I foresaw the Lord always before my face for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope for you, referencing God, for you will not leave my soul in Hades or hell, nor will you allow the Holy One, that would be the Messiah, to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life You will make me full of joy in your presence. You see, the first thing we see here is that David had a living hope in God. I pray that you do as well. I get very excited when people graduate, when they go to heaven. And Claudia has told me several times, you got to tone it down. You're too happy. Other people are sad. I go, okay, okay, okay. But they're in heaven. They're in heaven. I went to a memorial this past Thursday. It was nice. Nothing negative. It was nice. But if you guys have one for me, I I encourage you to rock out. I encourage you to celebrate. I encourage you to to laugh and have a good time. Matter of fact, play to hell with the devil by Striper. If you don't know what it is, YouTube it. To hell with the devil by Striper. Awesome. We're going to heaven, guys. We're going to heaven, but now it's you. The reason I say that, Jim, would you do me a favor? Jim Fry? I see people fanning over here. Would you bump down this side? This side's supposed to be the cooler side over here, so we don't want you guys sweating. So this is always two degrees cooler over here than this side over here. So if you're, if you're hot, go over here. If you're cold, go over there. Where was I? So, if people ask you about your faith, do you share it like you've been sucking on lemons? Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I, yeah, I believe in God. I'm, I'm even going to go to heaven one day. Wow, that sounds exciting. I think I'm going to go have a beer because, man, you're boring. I mean, this is what the world's going to be thinking. I hope that you're excited. Yeah, I know God. And I'm going to heaven. Can you imagine that? Going to heaven? Now, you're, now they're going to be going, What? What are you, part of a cult? No, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to die and I'm going to go to heaven. You see, David had this confident hope a thousand years before Jesus came. We're living 2,000 years after he came. Are we walking around with that living hope? Or are we walking around like it's a 
funeral party. Guys, we're going home. We're going to see Jesus face to face. David is proclaiming this. You see, David had such confidence in the fact of God's promises that he took great joy in those promises. That's what I'm stressing here. Are you taking great joy in the promises of God? Or are you taking great pleasure in our president? Guys, we're falling apart. Don't hope in a Democrat or a Republican. Hope in Jesus. Now, do your due diligence. Because I know somebody's sitting there going, well, shouldn't we vote? If you've been here, but you might be new. So I need to say this for the new person. Vote. Register. Do your due diligence. We're not irresponsible. Be responsible. Do all those things. But put your hope in God, not in man. Because man will fail you. God will not. You see, David had learned. That's what I'm stressing this morning. David had learned that God knew what he was doing in David's life. If you remember the book of Psalms, David was running from Saul, King Saul, the first king, for possibly ten years. He went from the palace having everything to the desert having nothing. For 10 years. Do you think David learned something? David learned. And maybe you've in that predicament right now. Maybe you've gone from having everything to having nothing. Or maybe you'll remember 08, 07, 08, 09. When you went from having everything to having nothing. Well, that'll never happen again. That's what they're telling us anyways. Get ready. It is going to happen again. It's cyclical. It's just the way it is. It's a cycle. It is going to happen again. So where is your hope? Where is my hope? Where is my trust? 2,000 years later, you and I can rest assured that God knows what he's doing in our lives, just like David knew, just like the disciples were learning, and that they now know, but they had to learn it. God hasn't changed his agenda as his desires all of mankind to be saved. Now, not all will come to believe due to free will. So again, here's the wonderful thing. God is sovereign, but you have your free will. So if you'd like to receive Jesus this morning at the end of the service, you can receive Jesus as your Savior this morning. You can acknowledge, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Anyone in this room acknowledge ever that you are a sinner in need of a Savior? If you did, raise your hand high. Don't be ashamed so that maybe one person in here realizes, okay, I'm not going to be the first one in this room to do this. So again, thank you. So if you're here today and you haven't done that, you just saw a bunch of hands, and that's not for show, that's not for religiosity, that's to encourage you to make the right choice. Eternity is at stake. Not my eternity, yours. I'm going to heaven. Praise God. I'm excited about it. Let's look at verse 29. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David. Peter goes on to say, That he is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And if you go to Israel with us, you will go to the tomb of David. See, they put the bones. What would happen is they'd put a bone, the the body, uh, like Lazarus, they'd put a body in a tomb. They had a hole in the tomb so that the air could circulate. The body would decompose. They didn't put it in a nice casket. They didn't embalm it. They didn't put it in the ground, cover it with a concrete so that the body will be there. No, 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 no. Usually within a year or two years, then they would go in. The body was totally decomposed. They would take the bones apart, put them in a box, and they'd have a family tomb. So to this day, they have the bones of David in a box, in a tomb, in Israel to this very day. 
3,000 years later. So Peter's saying to these people, you know David, you know he lived a 1,000 years ago. Like the Muslims will say, well, you Jews were never in Jerusalem. Say what you want to say. History, the Bible as well as history, verifies David lived in Jerusalem 1000 B.C., 1,600 years before Islam came into existence. Hate to confuse you with the facts, but those are just the facts. So Peter is saying, you know David. He's dead. His bones, they're in a box over there. You know that. He's just simply going over the facts, going over the facts. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, to David, that the fruit of his body... According to the flesh, he, the Messiah, would raise up, I'm sorry, God, would raise up the Christ or the Messiah to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ. Now skip over to verses 34 and 35 and we'll come back to those other verses. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Here is something very, very interesting. You see, Peter reminds those gathers that the bones of David were still present with them. And he references Psalm 110 verse 1. And he shows them that David was talking about the Messiah and not one of his literal sons. Not Solomon, not another son. And this is an interesting point. A Jewish father would never call his son Lord. Never. The Jews know this to this day. You would never call your son Lord. No, I'm the patriarch of the family. I'm the Lord of the family. But David called this future child of his lineage Lord, referencing a supremacy to David the king. Why is this interesting? Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 22. Do you remember where else in the scriptures that this conversation took place? Matthew chapter 22. When the religious elite were trying to entrap Jesus just before his crucifixion. Matthew 22 verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How then does David in the Spirit... Notice, capital S. So how did David, via the Holy Spirit, call him Lord, saying... The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David, and the Pharisees would have known he was speaking of King David, if David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? Just basic logic. The Pharisees were trapped in their own trap. Jesus just uses basic logic. And I encourage you not to argue with religion with people, but just use very basic logic. And they will find themselves trapped with just very basic logic. That's what Jesus did. That's what rabbis do. Just very basic logic. They couldn't answer it. They couldn't answer the question. 
And so what does it go on to say? I think this is one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible. And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. What a sad commentary. I can't answer you. And so my pride is in the way. You hurt my pride. So I'm not going to bother asking you any more questions. That's real bright. That's real bright. If you're here today and you don't know God, you don't have Jesus as your Savior, be a little smart and ask questions. They could have, they could have asked Jesus, well, hmm, you got us on that one. Could you explain that to me? Could you explain that to us? No. No. So if you're here today and you have questions, come up afterwards. I'd love to maybe talk with you about your questions. Might not have answers. Ask other Christians. Ask questions. We might not be able to answer them, but we'll say, geez, I don't know, but let me research it. I'll get back with you. Maybe we'll have the answer. Maybe we won't. Or we might just say, you know what? Can't explain it. That's God's. Can't explain it for you. But I can tell you this. God loves you and he sent his son to die for you. Do you want to receive him as your savior? Follow it up with that simple question. God sent Jesus to answer our questions. So we see the Holy Spirit bringing back to memory, back in Acts, those things that the Lord taught his disciples. Now, think about this, John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. So guys, get the Bible in your brain. Get it in your head. Every day, devotion, every single day. Not out of duty, out of devotion. Allow the Holy Spirit to sink it down to your heart, that 12, 14, 16 inches. And as you're going through your day, your week, your month, your year, it may be years, the Holy Spirit will bring a verse back to your mind. He'll go, that's what that means. Oh, that's what that is. Oh, I get it now. It happens on a regular basis for those who are in the Word. You see, the Holy Spirit will do the same for you and I. He will bring back to memory those things that we have studied in the Word. He will lead us into all truth, and that truth will set us free. I'm going to watch the debates. It's going to be agonizing, but I'm going to watch the debates. Because, guys, these are people that could be running our country in less than two years. One of these people in these debates could literally be running our country in two years. So you you and I, we need to be a little bit educated. I'm going to try not to get all fired up because I know some of the things you're going to talk about are going to drive me crazy. But I at least want to have an answer to somebody who might ask me, well, what do you think about so-and-so? Well, you know what? Personally, I am pro-choice. What? You're pro-choice? I thought you were a Christian. Well, yeah, I'm pro-choice. A person has a choice whether to have sex or not. And once they have sex, I'm pro-life. And that life deserves to be born, no matter what the case may be. What about you? Oh, I think we should kill all babies. Oh, okay. I just wondered where you were. Now I know. Guys, we got to know this. we got to know this stuff so we can have a mature debate with others. Share mature information. If not, we're not going to be able to talk. So going back to Acts... Let's pick it up again in verse 31. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades or hell, nor did his flesh see corruption. Isn't it interesting? Even today, guys, even today, I find this very interesting. You might not, but I find this very interesting. 
there was a pastor of a mega church, mega church. Wasn't going to mention his name, but it doesn't matter. Mega church. He left the mega church. He's no longer a pastor on his own free will. And he now is teaching that there is no hell. Everybody's going to heaven. And he was a pastor of a Christian mega church. Preaching the gospel, proclaiming Jesus, and now there is no hell. Everybody goes to heaven. Doesn't that just feel wonderful? Let me see. David talks about hell. Jesus talked a lot about hell. The scriptures teach about hell. Why? Because Jesus, who lived in eternity past, created hell for the demons, not for humans, for the demons. And you have a free will. You're here this morning. You can decide, I want to go to heaven or I'm going to stiff arm God. I'd rather go to hell. God's not sending you there. That's your own free will. So you make the choice. You make the choice. Very, very important. This Jesus had God has raised up from of which we are witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God. Now he's referencing David here. Going back to what David just said. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. That sounds like the triunity of the Godhead right there. There's another verse. The triunity of the Godhead. He poured out this which you now see and hear. You see how Peter is just explaining this to these thousands of people? He's just using simple logic. And he's explaining it. But what is he also doing? Guys, he's using scriptures. So you and I. Well, I'm not such a bad person. Does anybody know Romans 3.23? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Hate to break it to you, but you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Well, what about Romans 6.23? For the wages of sin is death. That word death there, eternal separation from God. You don't want God? You don't want Jesus? You want to live in your sin? You're going to receive a wage. It's it's poured out right here in the scriptures. So nobody has an excuse. The wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So if you want to receive Jesus this morning, it's free. May never ever see you again. You're visiting family or whatever. May never ever see you again. But I'll see you in heaven. Because you receive Jesus as your Savior. I will see you again in heaven. So make a wise choice. Again, for David did not ascend into the heavens... But he says to above of himself, but he says, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, so God said to the Messiah, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Ouch. You see, Peter makes a tremendously bold statement at this point. He proclaims for all to hear that Jesus is the long-awaited for Messiah, the Christ. But Peter is offering salvation and true freedom to those Jews who would listen to him. Freedom from the law of guilt and shame. I want to point something out very important. This is this verse right here. The Jews have suffered for thousands of years and anti-Semitism is growing once again in various areas of our world, including the U.S. of A. I personally believe it's happening to drive them home to the land of Israel prior to the tribulation period. But let's ask a simple question here. Did the Jews, and don't yell out an answer, and this is not a trick question. Did the Jews crucify Jesus? 
No. The Romans actually crucified Jesus. Physically. Yes. That is the fact. But is that the whole story? No. Jesus willingly died for the sins of humanity for every single human on the face of this earth today so that anyone who would freely choose to accept him as their savior could do so. Hitler. Hitler could have asked Jesus to be his savior and God would have forgave him. No. Yes. That's not fair. Take it up with God. I think it's really fair. Because Jesus says, if you have a thought of hurting somebody, of killing somebody, it's as if you've already done it. If you have a thought, a lustful thought towards a, a, the opposite sex, you've already committed adultery. We're all sinners saved by grace. No one is exempted from God's grace. No one. So if you're here this morning, you think you've done something so horrendous that God cannot forgive you, I want to tell you right now, God will forgive you. He's already forgiven you at the cross. You just need to appropriate that forgiveness. All you need to do is reach out your hand and say, I want that forgiveness. I want it. Because I crucified Jesus. My sins. Your sins. Not the Jews. What were the Jews labeled in World War II? Christ killers. They were the Christ killers. No, no. I crucified Jesus. Jesus willingly went. For me, praise God. As the music team comes up, verses 37, we'll wrap it up with 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What Peter just shared, just via the scriptures, via practical application, via recent history, they say, what What should we do? And maybe you're here this morning And what I'm sharing with you is finally clicking. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, what do I need to do, pastor? Well, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are in Queen Creek, as many as the Lord our God will call. We're far off from Israel, guys. Supplies to you this morning as an unbeliever. But guys, as we're learning this, we just don't want to learn this little lesson and go, wow, that was a nice little study or this or the other thing and not apply it to our lives because we're going out into the mission field. For you and I, in our workplaces, there's people that need Jesus in our neighborhoods, in our families. So when they look at us and go, you're a Christian, who are you going to vote for? Well, you know what? That's really none of your business. I am going to vote. I'm registered. I'm doing my studies. But let me ask you a question because you said I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian because I have Jesus as my Savior and I'm going to heaven. Are you a Christian? No, I don't want nothing to do with that. Okay. I'm not going to ask you who you vote for. Let me ask you another question. Why not? Why not? Why don't you want nothing to do with Jesus? Why don't you want nothing to do with God? Get off of politics And take it right back to the eternal question. What are you so afraid of? That God loves you? Man, that's scary, isn't it? God loves you? He sent his son to die for you? I'm going to vote. You're going to vote? Yeah, okay. Well, let's lay that aside. Where are you going to spend eternity? Heaven or hell? Keep it simple, guys. 
Keep it simple. That's what Peter's doing. He's keeping it simple. Father, we thank you and praise you. As Peter proclaimed salvation at this first church gathering, and we're going to see next week, thousands of people are going to join the church through a simple gospel message. Father, help us to be excited about heaven, that others might see that and question, why are we so happy? Why? That we might get to share the simple gospel. Because I'm going to heaven. No matter what this life throws at me on my worst day, I'm going to heaven. As the saints are praying, maybe you're with us this morning, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. If you'd like to pray this prayer, you can pray this simple prayer and God will accept you. You can become born again. But it's your own free will. You can choose to reject God's love this morning. You can choose to reject that salvation this morning. God's still going to love you. It doesn't negate God's love for you. He loves you. And He always will. Don't reject God's love. If you would like to receive Jesus this morning, just pray this simple prayer. God, thank you for loving me. I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy. But yet you love me. Thank you. So God, I want to repent. I want to turn to you. And say I'm sorry. And I want to invite Jesus into my life right now to be my Savior. God, I invite your Holy Spirit into my life right now. I'm not sure what this all means, but I'm going to trust you're going to show me. So I do it by faith. I accept salvation by faith. And God, I thank you that I can now call you Father. My Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for this day. Again, we just pray for those little ones, Lord, who received Jesus as their Savior. And Lord, anyone in this room who prayed to receive Jesus as their Savior, that they would get solidified in the faith, that they would allow themselves to be mentored, to be discipled, that they'll be reading and growing in the grace and knowledge of their Savior, Jesus. And Lord, as we go out, as the church goes out into our mission field, help us to be ready to give anyone a simple answer for the joy that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, guys. I just want to encourage you. This popped into my mind, and it's take it for what it's worth. But, um, you know, the Lord's just given me a, a different attitude the last, I don't know, five or ten years. And uh, two times this week, I saw it come out. And I just want to encourage you guys. 
people are watching. People are watching. And I had two situations this week where something happened. I, I forget what it was. I, I know that both times they were at a, a cash register and I was returning something and there were some questions and this and I was just, you know, people are, people are really nervous, you know, that you're going to start yelling and where's the management? Who can I talk to around? I'm taking it to court. People are nervous like that. And when you just sit there and smile, it's okay. It's not a big deal. It's going to work out. All of a sudden they, they look at you like, what? I go, don't worry. It's, 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 it's not eternity. Don't worry about it. It's kind of nothing compared to eternity. That's what I'll say. There's, it's nothing compared to eternity. And they'll look at me and they'll go, that's a different attitude. I go, well, it's not. You know, it's, it's temporary. Don't worry about it. It's all going to burn. And it's amazing how they'll help you. Because now they're just relieved. And then they, then the, now it's coming into my mind what happened. Yeah, I couldn't, I found something on the internet cheaper than at the store. And so I was just going to talk to him. Can I get this price here? Oh, sorry, we can't give you that price that's on the internet. And I'm scratching my head going, okay, whatever. I'm not arguing with you. Hey, praise God. It's no big deal. Just wanted to ask. They just didn't know what to do with that. They were smiling and said, have a good day. You too. No problem. Thanks for your time. Guys, people need, people need Jesus this morning. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. If you accepted Jesus, please come up. We'd love to pray with you. God bless you guys. My heart will sing. My heart will sing. No other name. Jesus. Jesus. My heart will sing. strength of the Lord.